This is the Build Our Future podcast. We shape our buildings, and afterwards our buildings shape us. A window into the past, present, and future of the construction industry. We have still a lot of unlocked doors. Clarity with design, craftsmanship with the build. There's still a lot to find out and do and invent. Collaboration for our future. You know, I don't think it's the end of the invention. The Build Our Future podcast with Raul Faria. Let's build. Begins now. Welcome to the Builder Future Podcast. Super excited today to have Ian Bonsma from HJC Engineering. Long story, but short story, me and Ian go way back. We started university together. I'm not going to mention the year. It's uh, kind of dating us at this point. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Raul. I uh, appreciate uh, spending a bit of time with you here. Awesome. How are you? How's the family? Good. Not really growing anymore, which is good. But, uh, <laughs> they're just getting bigger. So and awesome. into more and more activities. Awesome. Awesome. Why don't you share with us a little bit more about yourself and your journey to where you are now? Sure. As you mentioned, we went to the University of Waterloo together a a few years ago, Mm -hmm. or maybe a few more than a few years, but uh, (laughs) a little while ago through the civil engineering program and the co-op program there. And as part of that co-op program, I I had a a co-op term with um, HGC Engineering. And I really enjoyed the work. They really enjoyed me. So I, I started there quite a number of years ago, and I've been working with them since then and kind of expanding my capabilities and management, um, you know, responsibilities that I've had there since I started. That's awesome. Now, technically speaking, you are what they'd call an acoustical engineer, shall we say. Can you elaborate a little bit more what that is? Sure. So, you know, I have a background in structural engineering and, and HGC engineering does some vibration work, which is related to structures. And that's partly how I got involved with them a little bit. But in terms of an acoustic engineer, think of noise, vibration, acoustics. You know, we help keep things quiet, you know, in your office, in your condo, you know, at your home, industrial neighbors. You know, we work in the building process. A lot of our work is in the building process, you know, working with architects to assess and design, you know, approvals for spaces. Often when people think of acoustic engineers, they think of, um, you know, the really high skilled, high level ones that are that are doing theaters, you know, with opera theaters. Uh, Recording studios, that that have those sound panels and stuff, yeah? There's a lot of acoustics that go into, you know, into schools, into libraries, you know, road widenings, new buildings, condos that are going up, say, in Toronto or in Calgary, Vancouver. You know, we're looking at, at the impact from environmental noise on the windows and helping specify, you know, how big, how thick should the window panes be? What's the airspace? You know, to help ensure that you're going to get a, a comfortable sound level inside after the building is built. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that you've been with HEC Engineering for, let's say, a couple of decades now. <laughs> but uh, what was the original vision for them? Did they start out doing noise, acoustic, and vibration? Or like, did they evolve with it? Or like, where did they start? What was their foundation? Right. So HGC did start as a noise, vibration, and acoustics consulting firm you know, back in 1994. Prior to that, the original founders, you know, they generally worked in the same industry and then they just, you know, essentially saw a need for, you know, additional consulting in noise, vibration, and acoustics. And we've grown, I'd say, fairly substantially since 1994. That's pretty awesome. Now, now those things, uh, it sounds like obviously it was the foundation of the company, but I mean, we all know what noise is, right? But can you elaborate a little bit more on kind of what those three things are and you know, how they might be similar and how they're different, how they kind of interplay together? Sure. So generally, there's almost four terms. So noise and sound, and noise is generally unwanted sound. 
and that's generally what we get with complaints or yeah, generally complaints. You know, vibration that we address is there's two types. There's one that is vibration that transmits sound in a building. So, you know, most people can relate to, you know, their neighbor drilling into a concrete building. You can hear that sound throughout the entire building. So that's vibration that we might deal with in terms of, of like a structure borne sound. So equipment, cool chillers, cooling towers, pumps, even subways, the new Eglinton Crosstown, those sorts of things when the train goes by, it's creating vibration. That vibration then can go and transfer up in a building and you typically hear it as re-radiated noise. There's the other method of vibration assessment is, you know, perceptible vibration. So, you know, if you have a crushing facility or, you know, offices that are in the same building is something that generates an awful lot of vibration, you know, your computer monitor might shake and, you know, it's more of a workplace comfort. Or if you're a surgeon and you have a, you know, a microscope that's hung from a ceiling, you know, if there's people walking in the building, they might shake that. You don't want a surgeon, uh, the ground shaking around. No, no, that's right. right? (laughs) Yeah, you want to make sure that their environment that they're working in, they can trust it and there's no issues with that. So so that's from the vibration. Acoustics is often, as I said before, you know, theaters, recording studios. It's more about speech intelligibility. So, you know, can you hear, you know, what the speaker is saying? Can you interpret all of the syllables and and words so that you can really understand it? And so we get that into that a lot in in theaters, you know, in conference rooms, schools and big classrooms, lecture halls, you know, for universities, those things where, you know, you really want the students to be able to hear what the teacher is saying. That's really interesting, but it almost feels like sometimes there's some uh, misconceptions out there, right? I mean, we watch movies, you know, especially based in New York or Chicago, and they got that apartment building right beside the train tracks and everything vibrates, <laughs> everything starts shaking as as the train goes down. But I mean, obviously, that's a more in your face example. But are there any other misconceptions or hurdles uh, kind of thing that, you know, sometimes you have to take the time to explain a little bit more in detail? And what might those misconceptions be? Right. So we spend, a, I'd say a lot of our time educating clients, educating, you know, the public about acoustics, noise and vibration. You know, we run lots of webinars and, you know, lunch and learns for architects and builders, planners, so that, you know, they can better understand sound and acoustics and, you know, how it works. And I think, you know, part of the, some of the misconceptions is that it's, you know, the units are dB, but it's, it's logarithmic. And a lot of, you know, when you say logarithmic, then they start thinking calculus and, you know, nightmares of high school math classes, you know, so we do a lot of education to help people understand what we do and, and why it's important to consider it. You know, some of the hurdles that we see are, you know, people have phone apps now that can measure sound levels. Um, they're pretty good at me- they're pretty good at measuring loud things. So, if, you know, if you're, you know, workplace noise, it's 80, 85 dBA. They're not bad at doing that. But if you get into, you know, a quiet environment and, and you're in your house and, you know, trying to measure your neighbor's kid banging on the wall or something, often that's not going to give you a very good, you know, sound level. And so you want to get a good sound level meter and ideally hire an acoustical consultant to help you assess that. And then sound level meters, you know, they've come a long way in sort of 20 years. And for my time, it just used to be a little needle on a little dial that would tell you what the sound level is. You know, now they're digital and they can measure very, very quiet sound levels. We do get into instances where, you know, the sound level meter can record some activity, but it may be below the perception of perceptibility of audibility. And so, you know, they'll point to the fact that, hey, you know, you can measure it. And we then have to take a step back and say, okay, well, 
you know, it's, it's 15 dBA, you know, it's very, very quiet. You know, that's in an environment that audibility starts to play in, you know, at, at what level that you can measure, does it become a problem? So there's lots of, you know, studies on perceptibility, audibility of vibration and of sound for people. And so those are some of the things that we run into. And, and a lot of the hurdles really are educating the public. You know, one of the other things that we see a lot with condominiums, actually, is the uh, flooring surfaces. So, you know, you have a condo owner, so they want to replace their carpet in their unit and they want to put, you know, hardwood or some hard surface finished flooring in. And, you know, you get product, whatever, X, it says it's got a, you know, very high IIC, so impact insulation classification, which means it really helps to prevent the impact noise from going from your space to your, your space below. And, you know, manufacturers, I'd say they use some of the test standards to their benefit and, you know, may not provide all of the details that they have on some of the, you know, the system that they're testing. And so, you know, you really want to pay attention to the details of, you know, a test spec or the manufacturer's spec. And, and I think of this too, when, you know, I just installed some new bathroom fans in my house because the old one's really noisy, you know, and then when you're, you know, going through the aisles of, of the hardware store and you look at it and say, okay, well, it's, it's 40 dB and the next one's 30 dB. You know, the question is, you know, what distances are those measured from? You know, what environment was it measured in? Is it the same? You know, how can you compare those two, you know, bathroom fans so that you know that, hey, I want to purchase a quiet one, that you're actually getting a quiet one and not, you know, installing it, starting it, and it's really noisy for you. I guess there's no like quiet rated fans, <laughs> like energy. No, no, that's right. It's all marketing at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, you really want to know, you know, essentially what the salable is. A lot of times they use different terminology, but, you know, you can look at it and hopefully, you know, that they have enough details there that you can then, you know, do a good comparison between, you know, a couple different products so that, you know, if, hey, I want to buy a really quiet one, you're actually buying a really quiet one. Yeah, I think the condo example is, uh, I think the most, common example that most of our listeners will probably know like living in condos i lived in a condo for a while and sometimes you know somebody'd be running you know on the floor and you'd be like that is really loud you know what i mean like and you just wonder like how is this even possible but i think when we swapped it too i think we got a couple complaints from the from the people below but i think it's just one of those like people don't really realize the impact of some of these until after yeah that's right and in fact <laughs> you know as our population gets older and you know, people move from single detached dwellings into, you know, more combined living condoms, smaller footprint spaces. They go from a space that they didn't really have to worry about their neighbors because they had, you know, exterior walls and land between them and their neighbors. You know, now it's just a wall or just a floor or a ceiling. And so their their expectations are, you know, like the single detached dwelling. Hey, I can make as much noise as I want. And, you know, it should be as quiet as, you know, as it was before. I shouldn't hear any of my neighbors. But, you know, to get to that stage in a condo, you know, it's, you're spending, a, the builder is spending an awful lot of money in order to get to that point, to make it, you know, inaudible from your neighbors. Yeah, even the, uh, let's say, uh, passionate discussions we have with our significant others have to be slightly more tempered at times, shall we say. <laughs> yes, that's right. Or your neighbors will know exactly what's going on. What's going on, right? But getting back on topic. So it sounds like this could that could pretty much be used in almost every industries, right? But I mean, are there certain sectors of the market that you guys kind of, not to say specialize in or focus on, but more like specialize in? 
Right. So in terms of markets that we're in, we like to say that we've been to or seen almost every noise vibration acoustics issue. You know, I've been into a multitude of different manufacturing facilities, which is always great because you know you go and say, hey, and it's more inquisitive mind of mine. I ask for a tour and often they say, you know, well, you know, why do you need a tour? And it's, well, you know, I want to have a tour because I really like to see how the process is and, and how you do what you do. But we really get involved with everything. So manufacturing, so environmental noise outdoors is a big item in Ontario and in some other jurisdictions in Canada. And, and that's essentially, you know, industrial noise or road traffic noise, airports, things like that, that are going from the source to a receptor receiver. So like a, a residential you know, apartment building or a single detached dwelling. And then the other aspects that we get into a lot is buildings. So in, in condos, commercial office towers, hospitals, schools, you know, academic buildings, those kind of things. And there's a lot of acoustics that go into it, you know, as products get better and, and there's more testing on products, you know, architects are, are learning more and more about, you know, which products are better and, and different applications for acoustics, but there's still, you know, a key role for us in, in lots of those projects, just from our experience, you know, we can really assess these things quickly, you know, and, and apply a lot of the stuff that we've learned over the years to their buildings. And one thing for condos in Ontario, Terion, the home building warranty program, they now have acoustic requirements, you know, for new builds. So we do get a lot of work through that in terms of working with the architects and then uh, doing testing afterwards to help ensure that what they've built is meeting requirements. Yeah, you know, uh, in some of the work that I've done, I've always, you know, some clients always come to, you know, either architect or myself and was like, you know, this is our meeting space, but this is my office. So, you know, I need it to be soundproof, right? And the question I always have is, do you want soundproof or did you want sound dampened? Because soundproof is really going to run, you know, the cost is really going to be high because, you know what I mean? And then, you know, there are other options out there. And I'm sure you can talk a little bit more about it with, you know, some of the acoustical ceiling solutions and wall solutions that they have. I've seen quite a few at, at a lot of the building shows over the years. They've come up with some really funky wall panels now that kind of, I guess you could say, absorb the sound <laughs> instead of bouncing them off walls and stuff. Yeah, that's right. And more and more are getting into like recycled materials. So they're using recycled plastics to help reduce reuse materials. And, and so they use that material to come up with uh, different acoustical panels or absorption materials. And, you know, today you can pretty much get, uh, you know, any shape, any color panel that you want. Um, they'll make pretty much anything. And, you know, in our office, we have panels in our boardroom that are screened. They have a nice covering screen with our logo on them. So you can do that if you have a nice picture that you want, you know, you can get an acoustical panel and then get it screened with, you know, the photo or whatever picture that you want on it. So there's, that's awesome. there's tons of options now. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Curious though, do you have any uh, fun examples of some of the, uh, let's say, uh, issues that you've encountered? Oh, the only reason I ask is a little while ago, I think I, I reached out to you, I saw it. Was it Edmonton, I think? Or yeah, was it was a town that people heard out in the middle of nowhere and you guys were, were called in to figure out what was going on? I found that so interesting. Yeah, so, and there's a couple of examples of this, I'd say, throughout the world. But it's essentially wind-induced noise on a building. So when the wind you know, blows on certain or passes over certain objects, it can create noise. And, you know, I was referred to, you know, when you're a kid, you take your dad's beer bottle and you blow over the top and, you know, it makes some noise. Well, we get that or we can get that as well with some building equipment or, you know, things that stick out on a building. So think of louvers or, you know, perforated panels. They're often architectural features. 
but they can make noise when the wind passes over them or whistles over them. There's a building in the UK, it's called the Beatum Tower. You know, if you Google that, you'll see that lots of people around it complain. There's lots of YouTube videos of, you know, when it's windy, it howls and it's kind of eerie. But, you know, so, so paying attention to those, you know, things when you're building a building or if the architect is suggesting some new materials for a building, you know, we, that's one thing to, that you may want to flag. You know, it doesn't come up very often, but, you know, as we build higher and more dense, you know, urban densification, you're going to get more towers, more wind, you know, it's blowing around different ways. And I think we see that now with, you know, these pedestrian wind studies, right? Can, you know, when it's windy, can you open the door uh, to your building, right? You want to make sure that people can still get in and out of buildings. So yeah, the air pressure differential and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm, I'm really curious from there, like, you know, depending on the project, are there like regulatory requirements that need to be met? Because I would think that the, uh, you know, that the requirements would be different for, like you said, like a building in, in an urban center, as opposed to like a strip mall, you know, in Waterloo, let's say, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it depends on, I guess, the use and, and there's lots of regular, or, or so there's building code requirements. And that's generally, you know, demising walls, separating your space from another you know, residential space. You know, when it comes to commercial developments, often there's not you know, legal requirements other than, a, you know, the tenant agreement that you've signed, you know, with the landlord or, landlord or the building owner. You know, there are environmental regulations in most of the provinces and, and in the U.S. in terms of, you know, how loud can an industry be at a neighboring use? Bylaw officers, so, you know, for a commercial use, say, a, you know, a club or, you know, a strip mall, if they have air conditioning units on the roof, you know, that's where, where the cities, like, say, for the city of Toronto, they have a noise bylaw. You know, that noise bylaw would have either have limits in it. Those are the good ones that have sound level limits in it. The other ones, are, you know, they don't have sound level limits. It's, it's very subjective. And it's, you know, if the sound is annoying, you know, then it's a problem. Well, you know, that's very subjective. So, you know, is it annoying to the homeowner or is it annoying to, you know, the bylaw officer that just shows up for five minutes and says, yeah, you know, I can hear it, but it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't bother me. So, I'm, you know, they're not going to do anything about it. You know, bylaws in the city of Toronto is generally a good one. And I think they're, they've just updated it or they're working on updating it, but it's got numerical limits in it. And that really helps with assessing the sound levels from commercial operations or, you know, anything that somebody might be complaining about. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm curious if the reason for some of those, let's say, ambiguous rules and laws is that, like, do you feel it's more of a lack of understanding and and I guess sometimes we get so used to just reacting to situations instead of being a bit more proactive to say, you know what, like this, we should really take the time to set some proper standards as opposed to figuring it out later. Right. And uh, <laughs> I know the very popular question, right? Yeah. So we, uh, you know, in the United States, uh, you know, we're seeing that right now in terms of wind energy development. So, you know, the U.S., they have a lot of counties, so small counties have, are working to establish sound level limits for wind energy projects. And, you know, a lot of them, they don't have sound level limits ahead of time, but a project developer comes and say, I want to build this wind farm here. You know, do you have limits? If you don't, maybe we'll help you establish them. But, you know, they're obviously going to try to establish them with their interest in mind. Or the small county then has to balance, you know, the desire to have a great new tax income to their, to their area with the homeowners that live in the area that may want very restrictive sound level limits because they, you know, maybe they don't want this industry in the area. And sound is very subjective, right? So, you know, you may find something very annoying and, and I may not. I mean, you know. 
Well, yeah, I can listen to loud certain kinds of music, but if it's a different style of music, the same level, let's say on the dial, is really annoying. <laughs> yes, that's right. You know, kids scraping their hands on a chalkboard, right? Like, yep. it's, you know, yep. it doesn't bother kids at all, but you know, yep. it bugs some of us. And so, you know, sound is very subjective. And you know, as I said, you know, you'd have a different opinion on some things than I would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in office spaces, though, I find it really interesting. We've built a few offices and you know, the ever popular open concept offices, you know, where they, I guess, initially with the open concept, they had the, the cubicles, and then they went to a little bit more open spaces, I found, you know, they would spend a lot of time and money actually in like white noise machines. And, and I always felt that that those were like stopgap solutions for like canceling out external sounds, shall we say. Right. So the open office is, it's an interesting one and, and, you know, presents lots of acoustical challenges and, you know, some architects, you know, maybe steering away from it now, but some are just embracing it even more and going with open ceilings as well. So, you know, you have open HVAC and electrical and everything is fully exposed and there's not a lot of acoustic absorption often. And so, you know, you can hear the noisy talker, you know, all the way across the office and it can be very distracting. So, you know, sound masking is what we call so this essentially white noise. It's very broadband sound. You know, we recommend those in instances where you have those open office environments where, you know, the background sound is very quiet. So if your, you know, background sound is 20, 25 dBA, and this may be the case because, you know, there's no forced air ventilation, so you don't have any sort of air movement sound in a building. You know, we'd recommend that to get the background sound up to, you know, 35, 40-ish dBA, so that what it's doing is essentially masking sound from other activities that are further away. And I do this, you know, before COVID, I used to travel quite a bit for work. You know, one of the first things I do when I go to a hotel is in the room is, is turn on the fan on the, the HVAC unit. And, you know, it's a new environment. You know, you tend to listen to more things, might be roadways or railways or something nearby. So I turn on the fan and that fan brings up the background sound level. And so those other activities in the building, you know, I may not hear as much. And so that, you know, one will help me sleep better, but also, you know, keep me focused on, you know, any activities I might be doing. So do you find that there are any, um, I guess you could say advancements in technologies, not just for products that you were mentioning for like sound masking items, but technologies out there that are aiding in or helping in um, reducing some of these issues? Uh, it could be, you know, types of insulation from some of the manufacturers could be whatever. Are you seeing improvements or are you just seeing, you know what, like it's been pretty good for a while and maybe tweak the way in which it's used as opposed to just slapping it in a wall? Right. I think there's certainly been been improvements. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, the recycled materials, you know, there's there's more of that reuse of materials. But I think there's more of an awareness now of, of acoustics in your space. I think if if you've worked in a space that's very reverberant, echoey, you know, and it's hard to, you know, hear your neighbor or you hear everything, you really start to appreciate, you know, the emphasis of acoustics in a, in a future space. You know, good ceiling tiles, maybe some acoustic panels on the walls, you know, that really help control that, you know, that office sort of environment. You know, some of the technologies that have been around a little bit, you know, is noise canceling. You know, it works well for, you know, certain instances, you know, small fans and things like that that have discrete you know, sort of frequencies and outputs of sound, where you have something that's varying, you know, noise canceling is pretty hard to implement. And lots of people ask us, well, why can't you just install this noise canceling device? And then, you know, my problems would go away. But, you know, often it's not that simple to do. Now, there's certainly lots and lots of products that are coming on the market that have been developed in the last, 
you know, number of years to help, you know, control vibration and, you know, acoustics noise in a building or in your home. You know, I'm assuming in this last year since this pandemic and we've been kind of stuck at home, I'm sure there's been an uptick in residential, you know, upgrades, shall we say, because we, you know, we don't spend as much time in our homes generally and in our normal environment because we're always out and about work and stuff like that. So we kind of, for the most part, we make do. But lately we've been stuck here and we start hearing things that we've never heard before and other things bother us a little bit more because now we're indoors a lot more, right? Yeah, no, that is certainly true. People spending a lot more time at home and, you know, something that, you know, you may have gotten used to before, you know, it only happened a couple of times a day, you know, the neighbor's dog above you or something barks when the doorbell rings or something. Well, you know, now if it's at your home all day and instead of only having one or two, maybe of those occurrences, now you may have a dozen throughout the day. So we definitely see that there's a, an increase in sort of people's sensitivity to sound at home. You know, it's, and it's really being in sort of the same environment and caged up, essentially caged up at home. And, you know, you're really susceptible to impacts from neighbors and you can hear a lot from your neighbors as well. And do you think that, you know, there should be more of a focus going forward? Because it feels like, you know, I would hear in the GTA with, you know, Toronto and the surrounding areas just becoming like this ball that just keeps expanding and it's I call it the urbanization of every place really and you know they, everyone keeps saying land is getting tighter and tighter and there's no more land to, to build do you think there should be more of an emphasis on these things because these are the things that we all have to live with moving forward right right and I think Ontario does a pretty good job at you know requiring new planning developments to have noise studies or vibration studies if it's near a rail line you know, if it's an urban development where they're redeveloping, say, a condo that is taking over a small two-story strip mall, they're replacing it with a 40 or 50-story condo. You know, Ontario and, and Toronto, they do a pretty good job of, you know, making sure that that new development is going to, you know, take acoustics, noise, and vibration into minds. And a lot of developers will do that as well. You know, they want to offer a superior product to their homeowners. They don't want to be, you know, never-ending complaints afterwards and trying to address them. You know, so they want to make sure that they're taking acoustics and vibration into mind when they're they're developing their building. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, where people can find you, find HEC Engineering. I know you do a ton of like webinars. You know, I see them on fair bet. Can you let our listeners know where they can find out more info? Sure. So there's lots of stuff on our website. So hgcengineering.com, or you can follow our Twitter account, which is Noise Experts. You know, our key management staff are on our website, so you can probably find our email addresses if you have questions about us and what we do. I head up our Western Canada office in Calgary, and we have a, a pretty big team in Toronto that handles essentially, you know, anything east of Saskatchewan. So Yeah. So you guys are pretty much all across Canada to solve every acoustical noise and vibration need, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you bet. In, in Canada, the U.S., and then we get a few international projects here and there. You know, there's typically pretty stiff competition for some of those international projects. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ian, this has been awesome. It's interesting uh, catching up with old colleagues and classmates and, and seeing where they're going. So it's it's been pretty fantastic. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. And it's great to be part of this. And not a problem. And a lot of the links will be posted down below on the episode as well. So feel free to reach out to Ian. Uh, I know he's always been a wealth of knowledge back in the day as well. So definitely reach out to him. Excellent. Thanks for having